On today's episode of Locked On Oilers, we're going to be talking about the inexperienced defense everyone seems to love talking about. Plus, we're going to talk about the penalty kill and what the Edmonton Oilers can do with their unit. And finally, I'm going to explain why the Patrick Kane trade is not a trade deadline acquisition. All that and so much more on today's episode of Locked On Oilers. Your Locked On Oilers, your daily podcast on the Edmonton Oilers, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hello and welcome back to the Locked On Oilers podcast. I'm your host and former Oilers game day producer Brett Holden. As mentioned on today's episode, we're going to be talking about that inexperienced defense. And I put that in quotation marks because there are some serious issues I have with people who say that that is an inexperienced defense and why you need a little bit of inexperience on that back line in general. We will talk about that. Plus the penalty kill. What will the Oilers and Jay Wood deploy next season and as well we're talking about Patrick Kane in the final segment of today and it's not a trade deadline deal people it's not it's it's just not if it's the Edmonton Oilers trading for him it's not a deadline deal either way that is what's coming up on today's episode of Locked On Oilers thank you so much for making Locked On Oilers your first listen every day we are free and available wherever you find your podcast plus today's episode is brought to you by Bet Online. Bet Online has you covered this season with more props, odds, and lines than ever before. Bet Online, where the game starts. Where we are going to start is where everybody seems to have an issue with, oh, well, if you're going to trade for Patrick Kane, you might as well throw in a couple extra for a defenseman. <sighs> Yes, I'm, I'm starting it off hot again with this uh, uh, debate because I understand what people are saying and I hear the big dogs barking with the, the little bark that they do have in that, yes, there are some players and when I say some players, that's Philip Broberg and Evan Bouchard who are inexperienced. Understandable. Evan Bouchard played his first full season last season, his second pro season in the uh, pros, I guess, last season as well, and learned under a very solid uh, mentor in Duncan Keith. So now's the time to let him fly. As Mark Wahlberg put it in the other guys, I'm a peacock. You gotta let me fly. So when are you gonna let the peacock fly, lads? You always talk about the people who say that the defense is inexperienced and doesn't like the defense. You always talk about, how, oh, it's about time that the shackles are off, Bruchard. It's time to unleash him. Here you go. Here's your chance to let him off the shackles. And now all of a sudden everybody goes, oh, oh he's inexperienced. Now's not the time. Ah, Why? You think Kale McCarr has any more experience than, than Evan Bouchard does? They're selected in the same draft, if I'm not mistaken. They're, they're just as old as each other, and yet one is in the conversation for being the best defenseman in the league, and the other one, their fans, his fans, don't really want him to be let off the leash. So what's the difference here? 
Yes, I understand Kael McCarr is the best defenseman in the league and a generational defensive talent. And is it fair to really debate the two or compare the two? In some senses, no. But when it comes to experience, yes. They're the exact same age. And yet one is already a leader for their team. And yet the fans of the other one, and I'm looking at you and talking about Evan Bouchard, think he's not ready. You can't have both dogs in the same fight. You can't. You can't go and sit there and go, oh, well, Kale McCarr is fantastic. He's this, that, and the other thing. But Evan Bouchard is inexperienced and isn't ready. Evan Bouchard can quarterback a power play that has Connor McDavid and Leon Dreisaitl on it. He was one of the best and highest point getters of all defensemen in the league last year as a second-year pro. First year as a full-time NHLer. What are you talking about? This guy is putting up numbers even better than Tyson Berry, who was the best point getter as a defenseman the year before. He's putting up numbers that haven't been seen by defensemen in years, and the only other guy who's producing better numbers at the same age and experience than him is Kale McCarr. And yet you want to bring in another defenseman who, and if you bring in another defenseman, it's going to be a top-end defenseman. If you bring in another defenseman, that means this guy who you've always wanted to have the shackles off of, which you finally got the shackles off of last year and you saw what he did in his first year pro, if you bring in another defenseman, top-end defenseman, they're taking away minutes from Evan Bouchard. They're not sharing it. You don't get to split it and go, ooh, here's your cut. You have to take away from somebody. And then on top of it, if you do get another top-end defenseman, you know who else's minutes gets cut up? Philip Broberg, who everybody goes, yo, just play Broberg. He's ready. Play Broberg. Now all of a sudden you get the chance to play Broberg, and now everybody goes, mm, uh, mm, uh, you know, maybe not. Mm, maybe we need another defenseman. Because if you get another defenseman and he sits for another year as the seventh defenseman and gets 30 games, that has zero development for a player. Zero. None. He, none. Zero. Because there is nothing that he is doing that is a bigger step from the season before. Philip Broberg needs to play this season just as much and just basically as Evan Bouchard did last year. But if you bring in another defenseman, his, his growth is stunted. You, you, just, you just cut off all the development that you have brought up and led up to this point. Because what happens when Philip Broberg becomes the defenseman that everybody imagines him to be? Then all of a sudden, people won't be going, oh, you need a new defenseman. Now all of a sudden, everybody's going, hmm, the Edmonton Oilers have Philip Broberg too. Damn, that's a pretty good defensive core. But you're not going to get that if you're going to continually, continually stunt his development. Do you want another Justin Schultz? Is that what you really want? 
Do you want to bring in a guy with all the potential in the world just for him to be playing third-line minutes, just be playing as a seventh defenseman? Is that really what you want? Because if it is what you want, then fine. That's fine. You might win a cup this year. And then afterwards, after Connor McDavid and Leon Draisaitl eventually leave, hopefully they don't, but if they do, then what's going to be there? You've stunted the growth of your next number one defenseman and number two defenseman, Nevin Bouchard and Philip Broberg, because you decided to go for your run now and decided to stunt the growth of those two players just to go for a cup then. Now the players aren't who they were going to become. Your organization doesn't have that number one or number two defenseman, all because you decided, hmm, Jacob Chikrin is the guy to bring in. I'm sorry? Then you have guys like Marcus Niemelainen who has been up and down in the organization since last year and probably should get more time in with the big club because he brings something the team doesn't have in size and grit. And he can also skate and he can move the puck. And he has a familiarity with the head coach. Hmm. Weird. But yet if the Edmonton Oilers were signing that guy and bringing him in, everybody would go, oh, yeah, that's a good thing. Vincent DeHarnay, same deal, flourished under Dave Manson and Jay Woodcroft, six foot seven, two hundred and thirty pounds, and yet people don't want that. People don't want to see a fresh meat in there. What 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 what's the worst that can happen to the seventh defenseman? Oh, we get sent down again. Oh, dang it! Shoot. Oh, and guess guess we now just have to work with that eighth overall pick in Philip Broberg. Oh, dang it. Like, do people not look outside of next season? Do they imagine the NHL just folds after next season and go, oh, well, good try, lads. It's, it's over. The NHL's going to keep going until the next season, the year after that, the year after that, and guess what? The year after that, too. Barring a lockout. But guess what? The Edmonton Oilers also have to go out there and put out a team for that year, the year after that, the year after that, and the year after that. So if you're not developing your players and letting them play in the games that they need to and getting the time that they need to, you're not going to be able to ice a team that's going to be competitive in four or five years. So sure, you know what, let's bring in a defenseman, try and win it all this year, and then see what happens in the next three years. See where Evan Bouchard is in three years. See where Philip Broberg is in three years. See where Vincent DeHarnay is in three years. See where Marcus Niemelainen is, is, is in three years. Let's see. Let's bring in a defenseman, stunt their development, and see where the Edmonton Oilers and their defensive core are then. Because, spoiler alert, not going to be good. Not going to be good. Sorry, but the Edmonton Oilers do not need to make their defense any better. Yes, did I say uh, with the crossover with the Sharks that the Edmonton Oilers' weakness is their defense? Yes, but when you have a question put in front of you and the obvious weakness is not your forward core because you have two of the best players in the world there, you just got your goaltending better, you got to answer a question. And I'm going to answer that question even more because I talked about the short-handed unit and how that goes hand-in-hand hand with the defensive problems, end quote, that the Edmonton Oilers have. So we will get to the short-handed problems 
in just a second. But first, I want to tell you a little bit more about our partners over at Bet Online. BetOnline.net is the fastest and easiest way to check in on all your betting needs. Find all your favorite sports and events at the number one online source for all odds, lines, and games. Find reviews and news of every league, including Major League Baseball, NFL, NBA, NHL, combat sports, golf, and even eSports. And by the way, NFL is getting started in the next couple of weeks. I cannot wait. It's the final preseason week this week. Fantasy football season is upon us. Go Bears. And I only say that because I know I'm going to be disappointed. So go my fantasy team either way. Bet Online continues to be the top online resource for all your sports wagering information. From live in-game betting, scores, uh, podcasts, they have you covered. Head to the Bet Online today or use your mobile device to learn more about the action happening today. Bet Online, where the game starts. Where we are going to continue is with that penalty kill, as yes, I did just mention that when we did our crossover episode with uh, JD and the San Jose Sharks, we talked about the weakness of the Edmonton Oilers. My answer was, well, the defense. As mentioned, the Edmonton Oilers have an offensive core of Evander Kane, Connor McDavid, Kyler Yamamoto, Zach Hyman, Leon Dreisaitl, Ryan Nugent Hopkins, uh, Dylan Holloway, Ryan McLeod, Yessa Puliarvi, Matthias Janmark, Derek Ryan, Devin Shore, you, the list can go on. They can add potentially a Patrick Kane to that and potentially as well as Sam Gagne. So that's not necessarily a weakness, is it? The Edmonton Oilers also made their goaltending better with a more consistent and more stay-at-home goaltender in uh, Jack Campbell. And as well, they're also bringing up a goaltender who they didn't stunt the development of. Hmm, we know that happens. And Stuart Skinner, so that's not necessarily a weakness. So, as the answer to that question had to become, is the defense. However, my next answer to that, and the reason why I said the defense, is because of the penalty kill. The Edmonton Oilers' penalty kill wasn't fantastic down the stretch, or in the playoffs. It won them a couple games in the playoffs, that's for sure. But it wasn't fantastic at times. Dave Manson came in, started to do his little thing. Of course, the Edmonton Oilers also have uh, um, uh, specialty specialty teams, coaches. But uh, for me, the biggest issue becomes the defensive partners on the penalty kill. That is where the weakness in the defense becomes. Because right now I have slated for the penalty kill. Ryan McLeod and Kyler Yamamoto will certainly be on that penalty kill as forwards. And Ryan Nugent Hopkins and new signing Matthias Janmark will also be on that uh, uh, the penalty kill. Those will be most of your penalty killers. You can throw in a Leon Dreisaitl to win an important faceoff because that's what 200-foot players look like. Guys who play 57 seconds uh, as an average per game on the penalty kill, Leon Dreisaitl, instead of a guy who plays three seconds on the penalty kill in Austin Matthews. But we're not talking about that. Apparently, I woke up on the wrong side of the bed because everybody's catching strays. Either way, that is, the Oilers have set out who they are going to deploy on the penalty kill as forwards. But then the defensemen come in. Obviously, Nurse and Cece are going to be two defensemen. Brett Kulak is an obvious etching into there. But then what? Then who? 
Are you going to put in Tyson Berry, who down the stretch was a very solid defensive defenseman for the Oilers? He was also on that penalty kill in the playoffs and did pretty well, I'm not going to lie. It's just a matter of whether or not Tyson Berry can ride that into next season and really focus on becoming a better shutdown defenseman in his own end. The offensive skill is obviously there for Tyson Berry, but especially under Dave Manson, he was really able to lock it down, uh, uh, really able to locate where the puck was going, read plays and read where the puck was going to end up going as well, and really was able to shut down and suffocate attackers on the penalty kill. But then what? You also have this interesting name in Philip Broberg. Because Philip Broberg isn't your Evan Bouchard who's going to be quarterbacking your power play. He is a 200-foot guy. He's a guy who can play in his own end very, very confidently. And he has a presence when he's on the ice. You know when Philip Broberg is on the ice. He's swift. He's smooth. He's sly. He stays within his own head and is a smart defenseman. However, the big thing for Philip Broberg, if he does want to show up on the penalty kill, is being able to show, and obviously, how well he plays on the ice, but able to show that composure in his own end. Because you can play well in your defensive end, read plays, take away passing lanes, take away sticks out of the shooting lanes, do this, that, and the other thing, and still not really be composed with the puck, with the play, with the puck carrier in general. That is where Philip Broberg needs to really show himself if he wants to be on a penalty kill, if he wants to prove himself as not only a full-time NHLer, but a shutdown NHL defenseman, a defenseman that your team goes and distributes and puts out there on the ice in important times because you're an important player. Composure has to be the thing for Philip Broberg this year. And that is why my quote-unquote weakness for the Edmonton Oilers is the defense because of the penalty kill. Because now, all of a sudden, you, you sit there and you go, yes, Nurse, CeCe, and Kulak are etched in there. Do you put in Barry? Is Broberg ready? That's the issue. That is my defensive issue. And if that's the only issue that you have for your defenseman, I think you're going to be all right. I think you're going to be all right. I would say would I love to see the Edmonton Oilers add another defenseman? <sighs> Again, it's not Shell. It's not a video game. You can't just go in there and go, oh, yeah, you know what? I'm going to add John Klingberg, uh, Jacob Chikrin, uh, Jared Spurgeon, and Matthew Dumba. And there you go. There's the Edmonton Oilers. That's not going to work. It's not shell, and yet we say that as if the Edmonton Oilers are also aren't in conversations potentially to get Patrick Kane to add to a forward group of Connor McDavid, Leon Dreisaitl, and all those players I said before. I I just I I just I understand why I I had a comment saying oh well you said the the defense is the weakness blah 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 but you have to put things in content. It's context, excuse me. So a thank you to the person who did try and keep me honest there. Uh, that is the more uh, expanded explanation as to why I said the defense, because I am half concerned about the, the penalty kill. But that will 
figure itself out when it gets there. I'm not concerned about the defensive core in itself because, I, again, I haven't even mentioned the Slater Cuckoo might be coming back for the Edmonton Oilers. You might see uh, uh, um, uh, Sam Rukov as well if he's not involved in a trade at some point for the Oilers. You have guys coming up into the organization and who have been in the organization for a little bit, like a DeHarnay, like a Sam, or like a, a, a Cuckoo, like a Nima Linen as well who can come up here and make a difference for the Oilers. But it's just a matter of their deployment and who is here come opening day. Either way, let's move away from uh, the defensemen and let's talk about the reason why we are talking about this. And that is Patrick Kane and why this Patrick Kane trade is not at all possible during the season. We'll talk about that in just a second, but I have a quick PSA from the NHTSA. You're hanging out with some friends and putting back a few drinks. A few becomes a few too many, and as the evening comes to an end and people start to head out, you think of calling a ride. Ah, you live nearby and you can make it home okay, it's no big deal. Plus, what are the odds you get pulled over anyways? Even so, what's the worst that can happen? Your insurance goes up, you lose your license, lose your job, total your car, kill someone. Everyone knows about the risks of driving drunk, yet the results are tragic and often deadly. However, that still doesn't stop everyone from getting behind the wheel while under the influence. That's why police officers are out there right now looking for impaired drivers on our roads to save lives. So if you think it's okay to drive after a few drinks, think again. Play it safe and plan ahead to get a ride. It only takes one mistake to change your life or someone else's forever. Drive sober or get pulled over. Now, our final uh, conversation for today, our final topic of today is, yes, we're going, pack, we're going back to Patrick Kane, Hattrick Patrick, uh, because obviously a lot of people, this conversation starts with, oh, do the Oilers need Kane or defensive help? But I see a lot of people going, oh, if the Edmonton Oilers are going to make a trade for Patrick Kane, it's going to be at the trade deadline. Why? How? How? How is that possible? Please tell me how that's possible. How do you imagine three, because if the Edmonton Oilers are trading for Patrick Kane, somebody is going to have to enter that trade to eat up Patrick Kane's salary. So where in the world do you imagine that three teams, the Edmonton Oilers, the Chicago Blackhawks, and any team who wants and is willing to retain Patrick Kane's salary, where do you imagine those three teams are going to find the time to have a discussion about feeding this type of trade? Because the first move in a Patrick Kane deal to Edmonton would include Chicago and a team with cap space. Let's just say Arizona for an example. We're just throwing Arizona in there because they have a, a whole bunch of cap space. And they said willingly that they can and are, 
again, willing to eat up cap space in a trade, uh, eat up a salary, eat up a, a contract in a trade. So let's just say, for the heck of it, that it's Arizona. The first deal in an Edmonton Oilers Patrick Kane deal will have to be between Chicago and Arizona. The first paper transaction that would have to be made would be Patrick Kane to Arizona, probably for a pick, I guess, of some sort. Then in that trade, Chicago's going to have to retain some salary. Say they retain 25%. There you go. 75% of Patrick Kane's contract is now being paid by the Arizona Coyotes. Then Arizona then flips Patrick Kane to the Edmonton Oilers for the package that would be intended for Chicago. So then Patrick Kane to Edmonton for the package from Edmonton to Arizona. And then that package from Arizona would then make its way to Chicago in its deal for Patrick Kane. Then I'm sure Arizona would get some sort of compensation from the Oilers in a, a deal of like a draft pick or Chicago would send a draft pick, whatever that, would may, that may be. And then in that deal, the 75% that Patrick Kane is being paid by the Arizona Coyotes, then in the deal with the Edmonton Oilers, that is where you see another retention of salary from the Arizona Coyotes. So let's just say Arizona says, oh, yeah, you know what? We'll eat up 50% of, uh, of that contract. So now, in that deal, Patrick Kane's contract, which, again, 25% is being eaten up by uh, 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 Chicago in that first deal. Then another add 50% to that to the next deal to Edmonton, then all of a sudden Edmonton only has to pay 25% of Patrick Kane's contract. All of a sudden, that's pretty doable, isn't it? So all the people who go, oh, with what cap space? That is how you do it. But if that is a conversation that needs to happen in the offseason, because the offseason is a time where you have the time to discuss something like that. Think of just how convoluted I made that sound in, a in an explanation. Imagine trying to negotiate that with two other teams. How do you think that they're going to try and swing that under the deadline and go, okay, let's do it now, let's do it now. General managers, if you listen to them genuinely, it, during their trade deadline press conferences, say specifically that, oh, you know, today wasn't exactly about trades today, but more trades in the offseason. The trade deadline isn't even for trades uh, for the trade deadline. The trade deadline is to discuss trades that'll make your team better, okay, maybe today, but mostly for tomorrow. So how would it make sense that this deal is a trade deadline deal when you have so many moving parts that now is the time to do it? Why would you dismantle a team or do whatever you have to do in the middle of a season just for one player, just for a three-team deal? It doesn't make sense. It doesn't make sense to me. It, it genuinely doesn't. Maybe that outburst is going to look stupid when it comes to the trade deadline, but I truly, highly 
do not believe that that's going to be the case because there are other teams who are going to be wanting Patrick Kane and you will going to or you are going to have to beat those teams as well to Patrick Kane. So now is the time to make the deal. You have to sit there and play the market before the market plays you. And then if the Edmonton Oilers do miss out on Patrick Kane and he goes to the New York Rangers, then all of a sudden everybody's going to go, oh, you had the time to do it in the offseason. You should have done it then. Sorry, but it's too late. Either way, we're going to call it there. Today has seemed very much like an old man screams at your cloud type episode, so I apologize for that. I, I swear it hasn't been that bad of a week, so I apologize. But uh, either way, I hope you have a wonderful weekend as it is Friday and take advantage of the beautiful weather. Today is supposed to get up to like 30 or something like that. I feel it. I have my, my, my fan blowing towards me today. So take advantage of the beautiful weather as hockey season is right around the the corner training camp should be coming up soon so make sure that uh, you you take advantage of this nice weather and again I, I apologize for sounding very bitter today I swear I'm not but sometimes you gotta sound bitter for those nice days down the road either way I hope you have a wonderful day stay safe don't do anything I wouldn't do and play La Bamba baby